Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame, or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, friends. I am so grateful you're here with us today for the Fully Restored podcast. Before we jump into my interview with today's guest, I wanted to let you know that today's topic of discussion is a difficult one and a topic that is best listened to away from children's ears. These interviews in this series are powerful, transparent, and real, but also give so much hope for someone who's been abused. Please be mindful of your own triggers and know we are discussing these things to bring them to the light of Jesus and to help women find their own healing and hope. Thanks, friends. And now to my interview. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I am joined by Tiffany Brereton, who has a powerful story that is really represented by the scripture where Jesus talks about leaving the 99 sheep and going and finding the one lost sheep. That's Tiffany. Tiffany was lost, but Jesus found her and transformed her life. She's overcome trauma, abuse, unhealthy lifestyle choices that we're going to talk about today. And I know that her story is going to inspire you. Welcome, Tiffany. Thanks, Kristen, for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to talk to you as well and to know that we're both here in Kentucky. Yes, so cool. Yeah. So, Tiffany, tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do in your family. Yes. So, again, my name is Tiffany. I am a wife. A mother to four and now a new author of a book that just released called From Stilettos to Grace. So really excited and uh, yeah, just have a passion for seeing women set free from trauma. Mm, amen. That's my passion too. So Tiffany, let's just kind of dive in, okay? Could you share with us your story? Take us back to what you experienced in your childhood and kind of move us through that. Yeah. So at a young age, we took in a person to our family to really try to help them through some trouble. And through that relationship, I was sexually abused. This was before I had the language on how to communicate what was really going on with me. So I went from a, you know, a really innocent, really good kiddo and positive child to a young lady who was just spiraling out of control and wanting attention and wanting help. So as a teenager, I would leave suicidal notes all over the place. I would have eating disorders, different ones from week to week. I would cut up my arm with razor blades. I was screaming for attention and knew I needed help, but just didn't have the language for it at the time. I told no one about the abuse. My parents tried to get me some help because it was an obvious situation that I was desperate for some real help. The therapy at the time just 
was not a helpful tool because they weren't getting to the root of things. They were very quick to just put me on medication. And that wasn't what was needed or helpful at the time. So at the age of 18, I had just graduated and I was still a virgin. I had made a decision a long time ago that I was going to remain a virgin until I met the man I was going to marry. That was just a little backstory about the virginity. But at the age of 18 as a virgin, I decided that I was going to become a stripper. At the time I made the decision, really thinking that I always wanted to be an actress. And I knew to become an actress, I needed to get to New York City. So I thought, well, I need a lot of money and I need it quickly. What was something I could do to make a lot of money? So at the time, that was my reasoning. But reflecting back now, I know it was another avenue to get the attention I was starved for and to get just affirmation and to be seen and known. So I started my journey as a stripper. That is really where I learned my sexuality, if you will. I walked into the club seeing women giving men lap dances and never had seen anything like that in my life. And I also had just came out of 12 years of Catholic school. And that was really how I experienced the real world for the first time. I had lived a very sheltered life, if you will. And that is, was my first experience with the real world. I can't even put into words how damaging that experience was in my view and filters of what this world looks like. We would have men come in and sneak out of the house after the kids and wife went to bed. One of our spiels was if the man ran out of money that it's okay, you can go over there and use that ATM. It doesn't have any of the information that would trace you back to here. And so I really thought that is how people were in this world. That was the view and the filter I had from that point on. So I really, at that time, grew up in a Catholic background, but I gave up my faith at that time. And I would, I would have classified myself at that time as an atheist. In that environment, I just cling to any ounce of safety that I could find because everything was so out of control and met a man who was a bouncer there and who overlooked the lap dance area, really became vulnerable in that situation. As he was 34 and I was 18, I was looking for him to safety and he was looking at me in a different way. So a relationship began out of that. I continued on the relationship because I was holding on to every ounce of safety I could. And again, I was getting attention that I was just so starved for and looking for in the wrong places. So I let down some guards and boundaries. And at the age of 18, in a very vulnerable situation, I lost my virginity to rape. So because of that conviction I told you about earlier, I had always said that the first person I had sex with, I was going to marry. Well, I thought, well, I need to stay with this man because he was the first person I had sex with. And in trauma, you know, our brain comes to conclusions just to keep us being able to survive in that moment. And that was a real moment that my brain wasn't even fully developed yet. So I needed to survive. So later down the road, I did end up marrying this man. 
we had a child together and that child was just an answer to an unspoken prayer because this child really just grew me up and knew that this situation was not even just about me anymore. It was about this precious baby that I had been blessed with. So I got out of that situation and there's more story along the way, but that was my real sexual abuse and trauma story that really has me here today and what I'm passionate about sharing. And I want to go back to a few things that you mentioned, um, because there's so much that you mentioned there. Yeah. So at the very beginning, you talked about sexual abuse. Was there sexual abuse when you were younger as well? Yes. Yes. At the very beginning of the story, that is... How old were you? I was probably in the sixth grade. Okay. Yeah. So I was a very, very immature sixth grader, if you will. I was, you know, one of those late bloomers and just such a sweet, naive little gal. So it had been nothing I had even heard about at the time yet. So I had no idea what was happening to me. And did that go on for a while? As far as I can remember, that was just a one-time deal. But that that one time, it really that play, I often refer to us when we have experienced sexual abuse, like we're a house with a, um, a fence around our yard. And when abuse happens, that fence is taken down. And so those boundaries that we have in our life, those things of protection, that things we would never think about or even be a thought in our mind, anything all of a sudden, all that stuff comes in as well as other things. And here you're talking about, you know, you were innocent and then things after the abuse happened, things started getting out of control and being suicidal and writing suicidal notes and having eating disorder issues and and cutting and, and all of that, you know, is symptomatic of PTSD. And sadly, you know, a lot of therapists, I know when I was 18, I had gone to a therapist and she didn't know anything about how to deal with trauma. So, you know, we never dealt with that. But another aspect of what you were saying is that you are starved for attention. And often what happens is we become sexualized from the abuse that happens to us. We do extremes is actually what happens. We can be very extreme where we wear baggy clothes, we gain weight, we don't take care of ourselves, we don't want people looking at us, that type of things. Or we can go the opposite end of the pendulum and really can end up being promiscuous or putting ourselves in positions because those boundaries are torn down. So here, that's what you did. You learned the sexuality, you said, as you were in the strip club, but you were starving for attention. And really what you wanted was love, but healthy love. But you didn't know how to find that healthy love. So you told us that you were married. You married him, this man that assaulted you, this man that raped you. That was who you married? Yes. Okay. How long were you guys married for? Not long. We got married when I found out I was pregnant. So right at the age of 19. So before I had turned 20, we were already moving towards divorce. So very quick marriage. 
Yeah. So, so then what happened? What was next? Was that when, like, how long did you stay involved in this lifestyle of being a stripper? You know, so I wish I could say the trauma stopped there and everything from there was just awesome, but it wasn't. I then found myself in the position of being a single mom. And because I knew that, you know, I had found my worth in my body and I found my skill set and my resume and all those things and my qualifications in the strip club industry. So I did what I knew how to do best. And I went back there because now I was a single mom. So I continued on for a few years until I just couldn't anymore. I think what carried me through was the desire to, again, be an actress. I had played a role. My my name was changed in that strip club environment. And I was the actress. But when it came too close to Tiffany and who I was, and for people to see that person, I couldn't take it anymore. So I had to get out. I found myself in that experience and outside of that experience and relationships over and over that would end in some sort of crazy way, like emergency protection orders. I found myself in a cycle just in bad relationships where the man might be a different man, but it was the same, same thing occurring over and over. So the same patterns. Yeah. You went to the same pattern of relationships over and over, which is what we do. Right. You know, something in me realized I was caught in a cycle and I had to do something differently. So I had decided again, made another decision that I was going to remain single and focus on my child. And I was not going to get into another relationship until I met a man who had a lot of these things on a checklist that I wrote down. So I did that. I became a server at a restaurant, worked my way up really quickly into the manager role and was just taking care of my daughter and enjoying her and, you know, starting to make a life for myself. So I met a man who instantly was attracted to. He was such a kind man and met so many of the qualities that I was really looking for. That relationship took off quickly. He honored me. He honored my daughter. It was just a beautiful thing. We were married within less than a year. And less than a year after that, he got diagnosed with AML leukemia. So here I am on my second marriage, and this man has leukemia that the odds weren't looking good, weren't looking like that he would make it out of this. So for about six months, we battled together to really find a cure and find a way for him to survive. And he ultimately ended up passing away. So again, I was just left in ashes. But an important part to mention there was right before my second husband was diagnosed with leukemia, we had start going to church. We both at the time would again say we were atheists. And we went because of a mentor of ours invited us to church. And I felt just the pull to go forward one service. And I that was my experience of meeting Christ. 
and when I received my salvation. So about a month after that is when the trauma of his leukemia occurred. So instead of being left with no hope after he passed away, I found myself again just in a really horrific state. But I had finally had the ultimate source to lean on, and that was the Lord. Dealing with that trauma and working through that trauma looked a lot differently than the undealt with traumas in the past. And I began to find hope again. And is that is that when you began your, I always ask my guests about their fully restored moment, their fully restored story. Is that that turning, even though, yes, you invited Jesus into your life and and you realized that you weren't alone and then you guys started walking. I mean, you walked through this and you lost your husband, which I am so sorry for that loss. And as you're going through that, though you have God with you, how long was that point of that fully restored story? Was it after, like, do you feel that you're fully restored from the trauma that you've experienced? growing up as a young adult, or do you feel like you're still working through that? Well, that moment began my healing journey, if you will. God and I had to deal with the immediate issue, and that was the overwhelming grief. Yeah. And God is so good that he really doesn't pour all of the things at one time on us. He's so good to give us what we need at that time. So a few years had passed and I remarried and began to have children. And while the sexual abuse trauma at the age of 34 really started to rise up again inside of me. And unfortunately, and now fortunately, it couldn't be pushed down any further. The age of 34, I really began my journey of finding healing for that and stepping with the Lord. And at the beginning of that journey, he gave me the verse Luke 8, 48. And it says, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. And that comes from the story of the woman with the blood issue. And that was really the story I took along the way as knowing God was in this healing journey and knowing at the end of it, I was going to be able to walk out of that in peace. But just as a woman with the blood issue, it didn't happen overnight. She had been dealing with that issue for 12 years. So I kind of modeled, if you will, what that woman did. And that woman chased healing for 12 years. And that's what I began to do. I began to step into my healing journey. And I found that when I did that, every step I took, God met me along the way. Although my answers, didn't come quickly and my healing didn't come quickly. He started pulling one by one darkness off of me. First, the shame went, the shame went. And I had the ability just to say these things that happened to me and the darkness started to fade. I had PTSD still for years, had such a hold on me that any sort of touch would send me through the roof. My child hugging me or, or whatever that looked like, that I knew God wasn't done healing me because he said, daughter, your faith has made you well go in peace. And that was not peace I was experiencing. So I continued to step and I continued to ask him 
just to meet me in my steps and heal me. So I did counseling and I did some EMDR and some deliverance and any opportunity that I could have, I'm asking for prayer. And so one day I went to a retreat and in that healing night, I met a woman who loved to pray for the brain and she prayed over my brain and something happened that was felt within me that day. And that was the day that I claim is the PTSD leaving me. And my life really started to change and begin and walking into this freedom over the past few years that I've never experienced in my life. And what is your relationship like now with God? It's so good. My dependency and my need for attention is for him now. Because I've chased it for so long that I know, although I love his people and I love others, as amazing as people are and his children are, they can't fill what I need inside. So it's just a dependency on him and knowing that he is my one true source. So yeah. it's, been, it's been beautiful. I'm just so thankful that he created a safe place and he was just so trusting in that situation and so gentle with me. And now I can lean and fall into him and he's got me. Yes. Amen. So you have a book out. Before we talk about your book, I want us to talk about, you know, with your life experience, where God's brought you today, what are Two or three things that you can share with the listeners today. This is a question I ask every guest. What are some tips that you can share with our listeners as they're beginning their own journey of healing? Yeah, thanks. So the first one I would say, hold on to his promises. God will always do what he says he's going to do. Just like he gave me Luke 8, 48. I knew that that was going to come to pass, that he wouldn't just say that for no reason. So I had that to hold on to my whole healing journey. And that's what kept me going. The second thing I would say, keep, and this is, this is so important to me, but keep stepping in faith. He will meet you in every step. And, and to even simplify that even more, is not getting caught up in all the details. Is this the right step? Because I think that paralyzes some of us. God is good. And even if you take a wrong step, trust him to meet you there because he is there and trust him that he is good and will redirect you in the way you should go. Just take the next step towards your healing. He will meet you every single time. and. He's just so loving and so good. The last and just so important, you know, this world is a dark place and everything in, in this world sometimes seems like it wants to pull you into its darkness, but don't lose hope. If you have the Lord, then you always have hope. If it's not hope for today, it's hope for tomorrow. It's hope for your eternity. There is hope to be found. So look for it and you will find it. He's good. And there's hope that you woke up today, that you have breath in your lungs. Stop focusing and worshiping and meditating on all the circumstances that are surrounding you and focus on him 
your one true source and he's never going to let you go. So there's always hope. Those are three wonderful tips. So Tiffany, you have a book out and we are so excited to talk about that right now from Stilettos to Grace. What inspired you to write the book and what do you hope that this book will accomplish for others? Yeah, thanks for asking. So God called me to write this book several years ago, but the timing was right now. And as we talked a little bit earlier, this world has made great strides into talking about sexual abuse for women and men to come forth and share their stories so others can relate and find the healing that they need. But in the Christian world, in churches, we have not, I would say, arrived all the way yet. We have made great strides, but there's just so much more work to do. And women, and men are dying in churches and being buried to the ground with their shame. And I think Jesus and God sent Jesus for so much more for us that when he sent him to die on the cross for our sins, that he did not want it to stop there. He wanted us to live and be free that, and he knew we couldn't do that on our own. So just my intention with this book is just to reach women and men sitting in the churches and just sharing so rawly and so vulnerably that my story so they can say, I'm not too far gone. And there's hope for me too. And maybe someday I can share my story too. So it's just so important. God doesn't want us to die with the shame. He wants us to die being healed and whole. So that's, that is what this book is for. And to just know you're never too far gone, that there's always hope. Yeah. So how can people connect with you online? Yeah, absolutely. You can find my book now for sale on Amazon. I have a website from Stilettos to Grace. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram from Stilettos to Grace. Okay, great. So in the last few moments that we have here, could you pray for the listeners? Yes. Yes. Thank you. And, you know, I actually, at the end of my book, I wrote a prayer. Okay. And if it's okay with you, I will just read that today because it's really my heart. Yeah. For everyone listening. So a final prayer I pray for you. Lord God, I ask that you bless every single person listening today, that they will be filled with the courage to start stepping out towards healing. Lord, that you would meet them along the way with every step they take that you would send a community of encouragers to surround and encourage them in their healing process. And that you, God, would give them grace and mercy as they step into this new path. Lord, rain down your love and grace on them and give them their miracle moment too. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Tiffany, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. And I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating as well, or even a comment on whatever platform you're listening to us on. People truly do look to those ratings and comments when they're looking for a new show to listen to. I would love to stay connected with you. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Both of those are at author Kristen Klaus. 
I pray that this episode of the Fully Restored Podcast ministered to you, encouraged you, really spoke to you. And there's so much that Tiffany shared that we can highlight, but there are two things that I really love of when we have the Lord, there's hope to be found and that God's desire is for each of us to live and be free. And I pray that those words, as well as all the other things that she shared, really resonate with you because my friend, you are worth healing. God can heal me, he can heal you. So I I just want to encourage you to do like she did, pursue your healing, pursue the healing, do all the things that you need to do so that you can walk in the fullness of who God created you. And remember friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.